It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Tresangos. We saw a post on Facebook last week that got us thinking. It's one of those hard topics to deal with. And it's also a topic that Stacy knows a whole lot about because she gives of herself to work in this industry. It was a letter from an 82-year-old woman in a nursing home. And she was saying that, you know, she has four children, 11 grandchildren, two great grandchildren, but she lives in this room that's 12 square meters, very small. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have her home any longer, no expensive things in her house. Um, She has people who clean up after her and prepare food and check her, her medical statistics, but she's missing the laughter of her grandchildren. She's not getting to see her great grandchildren grow up, not hearing them do all those things kids do, like argue, fight. (laughs) talk about their lives. Um, People in her family only come to see her every couple of weeks or even less. She's lamenting, you know, the the real life, like the hardships of real life, working in the winter um, and the joys like baking cakes, working in her garden, missing her hobbies. Um, She can't even read because her eyes are hurting and she doesn't know how much longer she's going to be alive. And she's having trouble getting used to the loneliness. Mm -hmm. Um, She Mm -hmm. lives in a home with other people. Um, but, but she's lonely and she even had a friend in the room next to her and they would sing together, but that friend died. Mm. So she's wondering like, what's the point here? You know, why is my life getting longer? Why do I have to be this lonely? She has pictures of her her memories, but that's it. She's like in this 12 square meter room thinking about Mm. her memories. And the last line is the one that kind of is arresting. She said, I hope that the next generations will understand that families are born to have a future with children and that they do not forget about the family, even in old age. And she said, please don't show this to my children. (laughs) Grandma Maria loves you. But my gosh, that got like over 10,000 reactions, 6,000 shares and a lot of comments. And so I wanted to hear from from you today, Stacey, what you think about all this, because I know you're immersed in it. Well, yes, I've worked in the senior living industry for many years, you know, and different different levels of care. So, you know, started out in independent living, which is, you know, just basically an adult community with a 55 and better age limit. You can still have the pool parties, just not the teenagers, you know, and I've also worked in the assisted living, memory care, residential care homes as a sales and marketing director. So I've been in the I've been in the community. Now I'm I'm not in the community anymore. I'm actually a locator and I help families um, navigate this journey and, you know, try to help you with the options of finding senior living uh, for, for your loved ones. But but yes, I have been in the communities and I have mm-hmm. seen this scenario play out multiple times. And it's you know, it's it's one thing not to have any family, but it's another thing to feel abandoned mm-hmm. by family. And and when you think about it, too, you know, if you're used to seeing your family daily or, you know, every other day, weekly, even if you move to a community and those visits 
um, maybe they don't stop, but maybe they are very limited. You you still can feel abandoned even when the family doesn't think that they're abandoning you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that would be painful at any age to feel like your family was abandoning you. And, you know, I have to say that every family is unique. There is not a one size fit all. There's not one solution that will work for every single family. Um, there's always so many moving parts um, and so many family dynamics to each move and and getting to know your families like coming from mm-hmm. a, a marketer position or a sales position getting to know the families and understanding their needs their wants and especially their expectations before they move in can actually help make that transition a little smoother for everyone there is actually a term called loneliness epidemic have you ever heard oh. that <laughs> it's because experts recognize that seniors are vulnerable to feelings of yeah. loneliness and it's not just the loneliness, it's what it leads to depression. And it's like a domino effect. It leads to other health issues. And, you know, if we go back and look at this letter by this sweet grandma (laughs) from Maria, she lives in a room that's less than 130 square feet. So, you know, that's one bedroom. It's a lot smaller than the house that she's used to. She Mm -hmm. feels her family doesn't visit her enough. That's her reality. That's what she believes. She Mm -hmm. feels lonely. And this loneliness is compounded because she's grieving the loss of that home, her hobbies, her family, the life that she's always had, the life that she wishes she still has. So Mm -hmm. this grieving process is something that I've seen every every family goes through it. And, you know, I even give the kids a heads up because they don't realize that they will go through it, too, especially if they're having to downsize or sell their childhood home. I've had family uh, children, adult children come back to me and say, I didn't know that I was going to be affected by this like like I have been. I didn't I didn't know that this was something that I would experience and it kind of throws them off. So I've been giving I usually give them a heads up. Um, I mean, we've all seen firsthand how quickly one can decline in health and, and cognitively, too, when they don't get to spend time with their loved ones. They feel alone. I mean, look at covid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Covid. Yeah. I mean, we that had, was a disaster. Oh, you know, we had a lot of seniors fall into deep depression because they were isolated and lonely. And when you think about it, what's the worst thing you can do to someone? You know, it's not jail, solitary confinement, that isolation, it mess, it just, it affects people physically and mentally. And when we first uh, were instructed to shut our doors, um, our residents actually had to stay in their apartments, in their rooms. So they, we closed the restaurants down, everything. I mean, they had to stay in their apartments. And I remember we had one sweet lady that moved into our community right before the pandemic hit. And I'll call her Susie Q. She and her daughter <laughs> were very close. And I think at first, honestly, we all we we had no idea how long this thing was going to last. I mean, I think we all thought maybe a few weeks, a month at the most. And yeah. And it just went on and on. And the longer it lasted, the more depressed our residents became. And I remember Susie Q's daughter called her mom every day. Like I said, they were really close. But she began to notice that uh, mom was getting weaker and quieter on the phone. She wasn't engaging as much. And so our community started doing what we called window visits. And Susie Q lived on the second floor. So we had to schedule an appointment with her daughter and we did it at this big glass door. And I remember setting a chair up on either side of the door outside for the daughter and inside for Susie Q. And but <laughs> when they got there, when they saw each other, 
they just stood at that door with their hands up, touching Aww. palms and their foreheads, touching the glass, leaning in like they were leaning their heads on each other. And oh, my gosh, it was such a touching thing to watch. Um, they couldn't hear each other through the glass, so they had to still talk on the phone. And I remember thinking it was like seeing someone visiting yeah. you know, someone in prison where you've got the glass between you. And it was it was sad. But I'm gonna, I'll tell you, it, it kept Susie Q going and, and she looked forward to those visits twice a week. Her daughter would come and it, it kept her moving forward. It was it was huge for her. Wow. Um, and like I said, you know, when we first shut, shut our doors, um, everyone stayed in their rooms, but we would deliver their their meals to their rooms. But I remember. Every Sunday, we would lead a prayer and a word <laughs> of encouragement to the resident. And uh, I would go around each week. We had several floors. So I would go to each floor and I would divide the floor up one one hall. There were two halls on each floor. So that was actually six times. Um, I would go and everybody would come to their door and sit in a chair at their door if they were able. And we would have sing along with Stacy. And I would sing songs and I'd have the words printed out and they would sing along with me. But honestly, I think they just wanted to come to their doors and stick their heads out and visit with their neighbors and wave at each other and talk to each other. But, you know, we, we tried to get creative and tried to think outside the box to keep them engaged and, and uh, uh, interacting as much as possible with us and with each other. You know, it's amazing that y'all did that. I mean, <laughs> that extra step. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the communities were really trying to figure out just, it, I mean, we were navigating, you know, it, it, it was new water. I mean, we hadn't done this before. We didn't know. I mean, it was uh, mm -hmm. just trying to figure out how to move forward through it. And a couple of things I just wanted to point out and, and, you know, sometimes adult children spend so much time taking care of their parents that when they finally move into a community, they think, that mom and dad are taken care of and their job is over. They don't have to do that mm -hmm. anymore. I can see that. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I would just like to encourage them and remind them that just because they're having their physical needs met, those emotional needs are still needing to be met. And no one can take the place of kids or grandkids or family. And it's heartbreaking to see mom and dad miss their families. But, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I mean, you, you can't work in this in industry and not see it. But, um, you know, I will say that sometimes by the time mom and dad actually need to move into a community, if that's the choice the family makes, the adult children are not spring chickens anymore. I mean, they are mm -hmm. not kids. They are starting to slow down and they are starting to have, you know, their own health issues. So there's always so many things going on that, you know, I just I, you can see both sides of it. I mean, I have. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. you just always never want to discourage. You always want to encourage families. And, um, I know you never even think about that. I mean, I, you're talking and I'm thinking about my own life. Like, yeah, like if my parents had to do that, I'm, I'm already like as a grandmother complaining because taking care of the grandbabies is not as easy as it used to be. There's a term for that too. There's actually a term it's called the sandwich generation. And there's a term, Oh, it, it's, it's, families, kids, adult children that still have children at home, but are having to take care of their moms. And actually, I've never heard that. Yeah. And actually that's me. Like my mom lives yeah. with me 
And I still mm -hmm. have a, a, a child at home, a high schooler at home. There's also a term club sandwich generation. <laughs> and that's where there's even more dynamics involved. You've got your adult parents that you're taking care of. You've got children um, that you're taking care of. Either they're at home or they're still financially um, dependent on you. And then mm -hmm. you may be raising a grandchild or helping with a, a grandchild, child, maybe even watching your grandchild while your adult child works. But there's a lot of dynamics going on and that's called the club sandwich generation. This is something they don't tell you about when you're raising a big like Catholic family. Like I remember mm -hmm. converting to Catholicism, being open to life. I was blessed and thrilled to, to welcome a lot of children, but many mm -hmm. times I've thought, and I didn't know there was a word for it. I'm, I am in the club sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Many times I've thought th that nobody in the church prepared us for this because most of the people in like family life ministry are just talking about how to keep your kids quiet at mass. You know, like, I don't even care about that now. I don't even care if my grandchildren make noise at mass anymore. But in many ways, it gets so much harder. Some days I'm like, man, I wish all I had to worry about were finding pacifiers and wiping bobos, no, you know, like no. baby bobos. Yeah, no, th thanks for explaining that. I, I just, uh, I think I feel, I feel strengthened knowing it's not just me. That's, that's mm -hmm. a thing. That's it is a, a thing. thing. It is a thing. And another thing that, you know, and I'm, I'm just kind of going back and forth. I have literally sat with daughters uh, adult children that have cried. And I've sat mm -hmm. with sons that have cried. And I've sat with, of course, you know, my, my residents that have cried. And, and every family, like I said, has so many different dynamics. I cannot sit here and just say, you know, kids need to do this or you know, mm -hmm. our residents need to do that or community. I mean, but I am kind of addressing it all because I've seen the full gamut. One thing also that I wanted to mention was that so many of our seniors who really may need to have some assistance in order to live more independently, they mm -hmm. put it off because they are afraid, though, that their families won't visit them. You know, they that's one reason they don't want to move to a community. Sometimes they put it off till it absolutely becomes unsafe and downright dangerous for them to live on their own. And for whatever reason, due to whatever family dynamic, they cannot move in with their children, but they cannot live by themselves. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to move to a community because they don't want to lose that connection, that daily connection of, of daughter mm -hmm. coming over and making sure mom's got something to eat or daughter coming over every day to make sure mom's taking the medi her medications and they don't want to lose that. So they put it off. And, and um, you know, I've, I've just visited with many families where this was the case and they just couldn't get mom and dad to budge. And the Census Bureau actually says that one third of seniors are living alone in their homes. One third. Huh. One third. That's a lot. And so living alone, living alone mm. and they need help. Well, you know, you've got, you've got, um, You've got companies, you've got, you know, home health, you've got private duty, you've mm -hmm. got different companies that can come in and help. But, you know, they're only they're limited as to how many hours a day or how many visits a week they can they can make. So it really become it can become a dangerous situation. Um, moving into a community it might not be a bad idea if they can do it. You know, the thing is, every situation, like I, I keep saying mm -hmm. this, it's different mm -hmm. for every family. You've got to sit down and you've just got to figure out what's best for your family. And, and, mm -hmm. and I can say, like I said a minute ago, my, my mom lives with me. 
So just because I'm in the industry does not mean that I think everyone should move right. to the community. It really depends on what's best for your family. Um, and you and your family, your parents, everyone needs to have that conversation and decide, decide that. And I think, you know, hit your knees, <laughs> get the knee pads mm -hmm. out, hit your knees, and pray <laughs> about it and, and just figure out what's best for your family. Yeah, and and that's I mean that's the same way we have to deal with things when our kids are small and we're trying to figure out you know do we put them in daycare part time do we stay home and and have only one income do we put them in private school or parochial right. school or homeschool or public school do like all through life I get that's the virtue of prudence you you have to look at the situation before you and and discern and judge and pray. Um, mm -hmm. But nobody's going to hand you a checklist and say, this is what you need to do. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you've got to figure it out for yourself. you got to solve your own problems mm -hmm. in your families. Mm -hmm. that, that's throughout life. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, I just never really thought about all of this on the other end of life. It's really nice to hear you talking about it, Stacey. And I appreciate all your experience and wisdom <laughs> on this topic. So thinking about growing older, ourselves um, being in this this sandwich area here I find myself very much thinking about what we can do with our own parents and loved ones to to help whatever transitions are coming um, mm -hmm. but also for myself because like you said we're not getting any younger either mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, I spend a lot of time thinking about the kind of older woman I want to be mm -hmm. um, how, how do we ourselves get prepared um, to avoid that kind of desperation or, or can we? I mean, how, how mm -hmm. do we accept mm -hmm. getting older, accept that, you know, we may be lonely in our old age and how do we accept that that life just gets harder? I mean, that that was something I realized a long time ago. The longer you live, <clears throat> it doesn't mean you're getting closer to this point when you can stand on the mountain and say, "Woo, I did it all. I've arrived. No, it, it's like life keeps getting harder and harder the older you get. Your joints start hurting. Your eyes start going. You, <laughs> you witness more and more heartbreak and suffering heartbreak, and you learn yeah. to appreciate the joys. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, life's just like one march towards death. <laughs> That's <laughs> what you got to look forward to. But how, one how march do we towards glory. Our... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, that was the old me. Uh. Um, <laughs> Growing, but I do want to grow older as a woman of deep faith where, you know, even if there were times of desperation, I would have my Lord, my Holy Mother, my saints, and, you know, all the wonderful spiritual aspects of this life. How do you think we, people in our middle age, 50s, get ready to avoid that kind of desperation ourselves later in life? Well, I don't know. I tell you what, I have been prepping my kids ever since I got in this industry. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I've been telling them, which one of you is going to take care of me? <laughs> I'm going to put you on right. my will. I'm, I'm telling you, they're they're passing me off to one another. Oh, I think he's going to. No, she's going to. No, he's, they're all putting it on the baby. Uh, <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> but, you know, oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we have to prepare for our future. But I think just not being this. This really is a kind of a new product. It's not the same product that our parents or our grand our grandparents had. Um, the nursing homes of yesterday are really not what we have. There's so many options now. 
There's so many options out there. Like I, I said at the beginning, there's independent living, there's there's assisted living, there's memory care, there's there is the skilled nursing, the, the nursing homes, there's the residential care homes, there's um yeah. there's just so many options out there now. My my mom, you know, her mother was in a true nursing home. Nursing home. So mm-hmm. when you say that to my mother nursing home, or when you say a a senior living, that's the picture she has in her mind. And that's really not what we have today. So my mom has actually gone with me into my communities before. So she does know the difference, but a lot of people don't know the difference. They've not seen it. And um, so I think we just need to prepare. One of the things that I have done before and want to start doing again is to go around to like some of the libraries or the adult programs and do um, presentations on Mm -hmm. senior living and just let them know what is available today. Because I think that if they knew what was available, it wouldn't be so scary. And yeah. that would give them a safe place to ask questions because they, they're they very guarded. When If, if a, adult children bring their mom and dad into a community, they're very guarded. Um, they're, it, they're nervous even, and they don't ask a lot of questions. But in a, um, a non-threatening environment at a library or a senior center, Um, I think it would open the door for them to ask questions and just kind of put their fears uh, at ease and just give them a peace of mind about it. Um, I will say that if you do go to a community and there are, you know, for whatever reason, family lives out of town or family's working and busy, maybe it is a sandwich, you know, situation where they have little ones they have to take care of, a lot of demands on life. Um, I just think that there's so many things that the community itself can do to help mm-hmm. our family members that are there. Senior living communities, they, if they're going to take care of our mamas and our daddies. They have to have a way to foster connections within the community. They, activities that actually, actually speak to that generation, speak to my mom, speak to my dad, and build community and relationships in, in the senior living community. You know, research mm-hmm. shows that loneliness and depression can be as bad for someone as smoking cigarettes. So here's some suggestions. One community that I worked at, we did a monthly family night and it was something that everyone looked forward to. The residents so looked forward to it. It was usually um, around a a theme. It could have been a holiday or just a a theme. Um, And we would have a big dinner. We'd have live entertainment, games. It was a big to do. And we brought all the families send out special invitations. It was just a big to do once a month to get all of our families in. This community was really good at building relationships with the families. They, sh- you know, families should always feel welcome and greeted with a smile when they come in. They should always feel like they're part of the family. Grandparents Day, holiday parties, food truck events, anything you can do to get families to come out. One community has a yearly market where everybody can come in and go shopping. They have vendors there. Um, Another community had cooking demos. Um, You know, just anything you can do to get family and friends to come out to your community. Um, That's really neat. I mean, that's like what that's what the elementary schools do to get parents involved. They have a lot of events. That's what parishes do to get families involved. They host 
I mean, you know, anytime you have an event, have food and people will come. Yes, <laughs> but, yes. but it, but it takes that kind of effort and planning. I mean, I, I never, mm -hmm. I never even thought about all of that, but that it makes so much sense what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you want to go to a community that has a lot of life in it, that has activities and has things that uh, not just involve the residents, but will include the families too. And that was hard during COVID because we couldn't have families come in, but now the doors are opening and we can start doing that again. Um, you know, another thing, if, if you if you have a resident whose family member lives out of town or doesn't come for whatever reason, um, these residents could be adopted by their community. You could have a Aww. adopt a grandparent program with neighboring schools. Oh, I love it. Have a high schooler come out and read to her adoptive grandparent. It would so bless them. Um, one one community had a senior prom. So. They had the football players of the local senior high school come in <laughs> and dance with the seniors. <laughs> it was a big, huge senior prom and they got dressed up and it was That's a lot so of cute. fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I just think it's very important to have, you know, church services or prayer groups or Bible studies set up with your local parish to have a Eucharistic minister come in once a week. Uh, for those mm -hmm. who are unable to attend mass, I mean, if you have transportation available and can take them to church or mass, that's great. It's it, If a community is the best choice for one's family member, that community has a huge responsibility. That's beautiful. I, I mean, that just... You're right, Stacey. I, I mean, when I think of nursing home, I, I think of like that movie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, see, yeah. I mean, that was like a mental ward. But I think of the same thing because I remember when I was little going to visit my grandparents in the nursing home. I, it was scary. Mm -hmm. It was depressing. I just mm -hmm. I didn't want to go back. And and, uh, and so I, I think a lot of us just package that little part of our life up and put it aside and just think, I'll, I'll deal with the loneliness when I get there one day. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be near the end of my life anyway, so who cares? But that's not how mm -hmm. it works out. Mm -mm. Um, we, we can try to avoid it, but I, I think it's better to talk to it. And it's so encouraging. There's all these things going on that they are, there are places mm -hmm. that build community. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I almost want to go join one now. <laughs> <laughs> we had a saying at one of my, um, my communities, my residents and I would say, getting old isn't for wussies. And we would <laughs> say it and we'd laugh. And I remember my first week in this industry, my boss, this has been years ago. So this wasn't something that a resident told me, but this, this was something that stuck with me, that your job is to make their lives better. That's why mm -hmm. you're here. Every day they get up and they face the day with aches and pains and losses, memories. And whatever you have going on in your life, don't add it to their list of woes. And that yeah. was something that, you know, really resonated with me. And uh, I just wanted to make their days better and make them smile and just love on them. And yes, you're going to hear the horror stories. You're going to hear things bad. But I really think you can't be in this industry unless you have a heart and really love what you're doing. And I think that's so important. I, like I said, you're, of course, the stories are out there and, and, you know, everybody likes to talk about the, it seems like everybody wants to talk about dirty laundry. They want to talk about the bad stuff, right? But there are a yeah. lot of good that happens too. I mean, we, we do know that. Like I, there were older people that I used to take the kids to visit and, and yeah, there are some difficult parts of, of being around them because they, you know, the ones we would visit would have, um, 
their complaints and stuff. But when you, mm-hmm. when you get through that and you take the time to like play checkers with them or, mm-hmm. you know, talk, show them the babies, let them play with the babies. That's what we used to do when the kids were small, you get through to this really mystical, amazing um, wisdom from someone who's lived so many years. I mean, they've seen mm-hmm. people come and go. They've, they've endured many things they've survived, but it just takes time to get through to that deeper part of someone. And I guess I'm thinking as the people in my own life get older, how I can tap into that, um, get past all the the riffraff on the surface and get into that deeper part of that soul that also mm-hmm. how I can make those deeper parts of my own soul more accessible. So people don't have, mm-hmm. cause you know, the older I get and the, the aches and pains and the heartaches, I do just feel like sometimes airing my dirty laundry. Like I just like this is, life is not fair, man. And I'm yeah. going to gripe about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I think for us that as we grow older and more graceful, if we can keep that, mystical, deep wisdom, that beauty from having lived so long, keep it more to the surface, make it more accessible. Oops. Uh Uh-oh. And there's a baby crying. Okay. Hi, this is real life. (laughs) I know it is. It is. (laughs) Recording in our homes. That's right. Yes. There's so much we can learn for them. If we take that time, like you said, play checkers Mm -hmm. with them, just sit and spend time with them. They're so strong and they're so brave. And like you said, they've, they've endured a lot of, you know, losses and heartaches, but their favorite topics to talk about are their children, their grandchildren, mm-hmm. their spouses. I can't tell you how many romantic residents I had that <laughs> love to talk about how they met their spouse or a favorite memory with their spouse. And of course, men love to talk about, you know, war stories and stuff, but they, uh, they encouraged me to focus on my family. They mm-hmm. would tell me to spend time with my kids when they were young, making memories. And I remember I had a resident that was talking to me about that, you know, spend time with your kids, make all these memories. And I thought she was talking about, Oh, I need to, the way I took it was, yes, I need to make memories with my kids and my grandchildren to bond with them. So they remember me. And what she told me was no document it all because it will be for you someday build wonderful memories that will make you smile when you're my age mm-hmm. and Aww. and she said document them in case your memory's bad <laughs> <laughs> but i thought oh okay it's like it was it was right the opposite of what i what i thought she meant but um at one of my communities i led the women's bible study for many years and i started out thinking about all the things I was going to do for them. And I was going to do this Mm -hmm. and that. And oh my gosh, Um, again, I had it totally backwards because I've never been more blessed. And I deeply loved that, that group of ladies and they had so much wisdom. I wanted a safe place. They were guarded, very guarded at first. And uh, I wanted a safe place for them. So we also had a saying in Bible study that what happens in Bible study stays in Bible study. (laughs) (laughs) And once they started opening up, they were such a huge encouragement for me each week. I got so much out of it. I made such wonderful friendships. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. I got very attached and and it kind of made my my job harder, but it was worth it. But, yeah. you know, they just want to leave a legacy. They want to have a purpose. Yeah. They, they want, uh, you know, we had a wall of heroes where we would honor our military residents. And I remember I had a, I had a sweet resident that um, she was starting to have some memory issues and she had been 
Um, she had worked in an office, an office manager most of her life. And she began to think she worked there. So she would come to my office every day and she began to think that this was where she worked. And so I would have her stuff folders for me or make, you know, fold brochures or different things. And she loved it. And she would come in and we would just say, hey, good morning. How are you? And, and it was like, OK, what do you have for me to do today? <laughs> it gave her that purpose. And she yeah. was such a sweetheart and it helped us. And she was blessed and we were blessed. So um, it, it it's wonderful. I mean, being in the community, like I said, you build mm -hmm. a lot of wonderful relationships. And it was yeah. one of my best times ever in my life, just working in that in all, all the communities I've been in. But I've got a couple mm -hmm. of favorites. <laughs> I, I love that you call them community. You know, my nerdy background as a chemist, I, I say often that one of the biggest things about conversion for me was realizing the human person is body and soul, mm -hmm. not just atoms and molecules. But this whole idea of community, if you don't have if you don't think about the spiritual aspect of reality, you just become very utilitarian. And the old Stacy, I did just look at it like, you know, the old people should be happy. They're going to this nursing home and they're they're taken care of and they should not complain if nobody comes to visit them. Like I and I and I also broke a lot of my relationships because I didn't understand community and relationship. But I love that you're calling it community and and that wherever a person is in life, we all, we're all like part of the body of Christ. We, we need to have our purpose. We need to know that we matter and we have something to contribute. Yes. Um, and that's, yes. it doesn't, it's not hard to find that even in our families with our children, they need to have chores. They need to have things they contribute to the family. You're not being mean. You're, you're giving them purpose mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. the greater community or, or working in the parish. And it, I, th I think it's, I mean, I'm so glad there are people like, I'm so glad there, that there's you out there, Stacey. I think you're going to continue to touch a lot of lives in that industry. And, and my goodness, t tell people how much it's changed. It's, it's not, mm -hmm. the nursing homes aren't what they used to be. No, no. I mean, there's still some out there, but it's mm -hmm. not, that's not the overall picture anymore. Just in talking to you now, I'm, I'm less afraid to actually start asking questions and making plans and have having a plan in place, you know, for my parents, for myself, for my mm -hmm. husband. Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's so good, Stacey, that that is being proactive is so important, because people ask me all the time, you know, how can I stay in control? That's one thing that our our seniors want, they want to stay in control. They feel like they're losing control. They, they, mm -hmm. they're being told, no, you can't, you can't take care of yourself. You, you can't drive anymore. You can't. And they keep being told, no, now they're being told, now you're going to have to leave your home and, and go to yeah. this community. And one of the ways that they can stay in control of this scary move is to be proactive and take charge and go look and see what's out there. Go do your research. Mm -hmm. Be prepared. Choices. Because if you don't and you wait for a life event to happen, then that mm -hmm. life event is driving your choices. You're not in control anymore. That life event event is now in control and you have to move because of that desperation. And it's you don't you won't get the options and the choices that you would have if you've been more proactive. We are Catholics and we're certainly not speaking only to Catholics. Um, Stacy and I are Catholic converts and 
um, we embrace the Protestant roots that we have and we embrace mm -hmm. the Bible Belt that we live in among mm -hmm. a, a strong Protestant population. But here's another thing, like when it makes it always makes sense to talk about Catholic teaching. But I think there are a lot of things that people who aren't Catholic don't realize that Catholics have. There was something called. So I learned this when we were teaching it to children, teaching it to my own children um, after I converted. It's called the works of mercy. Um, if you're a Catholic, you're very familiar with these. Um, I appreciated being taught these things. It's kind of obvious stuff like the Ten Commandments. but I'm going to list them for people who haven't heard of them before. Um, there are seven corporal works and seven spiritual works. So there's your Catholic big words for the week. Corporal <laughs> means body. It, it, it doesn't just mean atoms and molecules. Like I struggled with that a little bit because the body to me is just atoms and molecules. No, it means a body, something that works together. So even our bodies, Catholic teaching isn't doesn't reduce us to atoms and molecules. Our bodies are functioning organisms that have needs. And so the seven corporal works of mercy, these are things that we are supposed to do for each other in the communities that we are intended to have in our lifetimes, because the Holy Trinity is a community. We're made for community. We are supposed to, one, feed the hungry, two, give drink to the thirsty. So I'm, I'm thinking of like, all the kids used to come to my house for Kool-Aid. Give <laughs> 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 drink to the thirsty. <laughs> Clothe the naked. You know, thinking of my two-year-old granddaughter running around naked. <laughs> naked. Shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. And I, I think a lot of that applies to what we're talking about today, Stacy, with mm -hmm. people who are elderly. We have a duty as Christians. We have a God-given duty and responsibility and obligation to take care of others. We're supposed to feed the hungry. We're supposed to help those who, if they're thirsty, give them a drink, you know, that we're supposed to do that. It's mm -hmm. good to do that, to clothe the naked, whether it's your baby or whether it's your 92 year old grandmother, or even whether mm -hmm. it's people in your community who can't buy clothes. Um, mm -hmm. We're supposed to help each other that way, but visit it. Visit is two of them. Two of the seven say visit the sick, visit the imprisoned. We're just supposed to spend time with people. Yes. Yes. And get because when your gift of your gift of time tells them they matter. Yeah. And the seven spiritual works, I'm going to list those two just to be complete. One, and I'm also thinking about being a mom here too. <laughs> Counsel the doubtful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, teenagers. Um <laughs> Instruct the ignorant. Yeah. I, I won't elaborate there. Um, number three, admonish sinners. Four, comfort the afflicted. Five, forgive offenses. Six, bear wrongs patiently. And seven, pray for the living and for the dead. And so I, I think as Christians, if we take all of those 14 things, the seven corporal and the seven spiritual, and we try to live that way, we're going to be better to the people in our lives. And I think also we're mm -hmm. going to be more supple and agile as, you know, personality wise, as older people ourselves, we're going to, mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, I, I hope someday that if I'm an old lady in a nursing home, even if I am in a terrible nursing home, even if I am in a place where I'm neglected, even if I'm in a hospital bed and no one comes to see me, I, I've always hoped I could be strong enough to enjoy the company of the spiritual realm, you know, mm -hmm. God, um, Mother Mary, the saints, the angels. I, I hope I'm spiritually strong enough if that ever happens to me that I would that I would in turn 
take my time to pray for the people in my life that I know need or people I don't even know. Sometimes I pray for children who have no one to pray for them Mm -hmm. and God knows who they are. But Mm -hmm. I I hope I would be a kind of person that would that would still practice the works of mercy, even if people weren't showing me very much mercy. Mm -hmm. I hope to be that. I'm not saying I am. I just Mm -hmm. hope to be. Mm -mm -mm. That's so good. You know, you, you, you said two of them visit the sick and visit the imprisoned and spending time is so important. And, you know, there is a a book out there, the five love languages and and one of it is quality time. And that is my love language, quality time. And, and I really think that, you know, if someone takes the time to spend their time with me, that's something that they, you, we can't take that back. You know, you can't replace those, that hour that you give me. It's, it's, you can't have it over again. So when you give mm-hmm. me an hour of your time, that means a lot to me. And so spending time with our families and our grandmothers and our granddads and our moms and our dads is so important. And even in James one twenty seven, here's our verse for, for this time. It says pure and undefiled religion before God and the father is this to visit orphans mm-hmm. and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. But to visit orphans, it could be someone that just feels abandoned or alone, orphaned and widows or widowers, someone who is alone. So it tells us in James to visit, to spend time with, to care for. Some translations say care for. And, you know, I just back to our residents and our seniors, whether they live at home, whether they live in a community, whether they live with their families, they want to be heard. They want to be valued. They want to be validated. They want to be seen. Mm-hmm. And yes, Jesus can do this for them, but I don't, I'm not, I haven't, I've tried really hard not to be, you know, talk a lot of Christianese. I'm just talking very practically. I mean, we want the yeah. same things or, or they want the same things that we want. We want to be validated. We want to be seen mm-hmm. and heard. And they're just, they are us. We are them. They're just a little yeah. bit older and wiser. And every wrinkle that they have represents a worry or a good laugh or, you know, hard work out in the sun or a, a long prayer when they were on their knees praying for us when we were making bad choices or a bad memory or a precious memory. But each each wrinkle is earned, each and every one of them. I just I just cannot stress enough that loneliness and isolation can pose such serious health risk. I mean, both mm. physical and cognitive such a, a huge cognitive decline and quickly. And I'm just, you know, please, families, please go visit mom and dad, hug them, tell them you love them, <laughs> touch them, love them. They need you. <laughs> it will help yeah. them live stronger. It will help them live longer. I'm Stacy Trasenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>